We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted, the film show. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you are, whatever day it is, whatever time you're listening to this show, because we do obviously record this as a podcast for you to listen at a later point or to re-listen if you enjoyed the show so much. But of course, you are listening to Unscripted, the film show. I'm Cecilia and I am joined in the studio by Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hey, Cecilia. How's it going? Oh, good, you know. Can't um, believe we've, we've, we've got the, the, the summary weather. It's we got, have. It's got to that point where we're going to start bitching it's too hot. <laughs> I know. We're always complaining it's too cold. Yeah. Now we'll be complaining yeah. it's too hot. Well, that's what, that's what life in Perth is all about. It's it just, uh, <laughs> it's just you know, waiting to change what we complain about. We're never happy here. We're always no. complaining about something. Uh, it, it's quite funny, isn't it? As human beings, we're always complaining <laughs> about something, particularly Perth people. Uh, no offence. We're both from Perth, so we yep. can say that. Uh, please don't be offended if you are listening. Uh, we just complain a lot. True. I, I went uh, on the weekend to uh, a festival you would uh, have absolutely no interest in, <laughs> uh, the Beer and Beef Festival, because I don't think you don't drink beer, do you? <laughs> do you know what? I actually do drink beer. Do beer I do enjoy, uh, particularly craft beers mm. or, uh, you know, those different types of flavoured beers I quite enjoy. And I I think a beer on a hot day goes down really well. I am so sorry for, 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 for judging you. The beef you part, not so much, which no. is kind of yeah. why I, I get... <laughs> Yeah, I kind of get where you were going with that. Um, but, I, yeah, a good I, beer. I didn't realise because I, I, the only times I've ever seen you really drink is uh, when we were recording mm. um, Tangent City. It's always and wine, you wine. It? Mm. And then at uh, Christmas you'll bring over like some sort of, uh, you know. Uh, pre-mixed. Pre-mixed <laughs> drink. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never seen you drink beer. Well, it's good to know now. Now, now we, can, we can offer you beer. Do you like – because Kat, my wife Kat, loves – uh, you know, sour beers, mm-hmm. which is weird. I can, like the, the closest I can get to sour stuff is uh, the Red Bull watermelon flavour. That's too sour for you, No, is no, it? it's, it's, it? it's the right amount of sour. <laughs> Any more than that, I'm kind of like, oh, it's a bit too sour. Yeah. Uh, and she also likes bitter beers as well. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, sour and bitter. It's just, yeah, not, not my thing. Is it due to the... I, I definitely would. I'm not adverse to sour or bitter things or, or anything. I'll, I'll give anything mm. a go, really, at the end of the day. But... Um, uh, I, I do really enjoy like a cherry flavoured beer, mm-hmm. I think is quite good. Um, but yeah, I, I think just on a really hot day, good old beer mm. goes down real nice. So I think, yeah, the beer and beef festival, I, I imagine there's lots of beef jerky and <laughs> other bits and pieces. Well, I assume. funny you should mention <laughs> jerky. Because like I'm a big fan of uh, like, you know, Beef jerky and uh, and I actually in my desk at work I have a bag of uh, of jerky. So I found Costco sells it in, <laughs> in large bags. I like so I eat it like almost every day. But I went there and there was a, a sign saying like you know this brand of jerky. I was going awesome, rock on. And went up there and it was just an empty table. I was like, do these people just like pay to have a stand and not bother turning they up? They just didn't turn up. Mm, so yeah. So the only only jerky place was that. And uh, but the the problem I have with these um uh, these festivals um is that we, we've done you know, similar things in America. We, we go to uh, Disneyland or Disney World. They'll sometimes have a food festival there. Mm-hmm. But because it's their thing, they, they set it up so that you have small servings of the different stuff. So you can go to many booths and try many different things. And the price you're paying would probably be like, you know, 10 bucks a plate kind of thing. Mm. But you'd have one thing there and go to another place and have another thing. And that's, that's the thing. Whereas these festivals we have here are kind of uh, – they have – just the food vans. Mm-hmm. They go, we're having a beer and beef festival. If you do something beef, rock up and um, we'll have your, your thing there. And so you've got lots of these food vans and a lot of the food vans do similar things, like ribs or, mm. or like, you know, cut up beef on chips or yeah, things like that. But 
their servings are huge and they're costly as well. Like there was one place we went and got some Argentinian beef and fries and it was like 40 bucks and (laughs) it was a meal in itself. Like if you're eating it yourself, Uh, Kat and I shared that. But once you've done that, you know, you could maybe get one other thing and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm done for the day. Mm. Whereas if they had like the sense to just do small things and by all means do small things and charge more for it mm. so that you go, you buy a small thing for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, yeah. and then you can try try more things mm. and they'll probably make more money. So that, that's why I don't understand why I haven't got to that idea yet of, you know, do something really well yeah. and then just you know, sell that and you can like whip it out fast because a lot of these places, it's kind of like you put your order in and you're staying there for oh, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 10 waiting. minutes going, mm. come on, come on. <laughs> and there was, there was one, uh, when we rocked up there, there was one guy and uh, behind the counter and the order was up and he kept on going, 69, 69, 69. And I was going, he's not yelling out for somebody's ticket. He's just on break soon and was just wondering if anyone was interested. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> no one responded clearly. No, no. Uh, that's quite funny. I, um, I myself went to a, not a festival on the weekend, but more a, a day out as part of my work. There was a, a uh, an event called the Pawsom Day Out in the city oh, of Stirling, right. uh, and it was for people in their their pooches. So um, I got to see a lot of friendly little dogs, big dogs, large dogs, all little creatures, great and small there. Uh, and they had lots of little stalls with pet products and, and things like that. But um, they also had, being Halloween, they had a dress-up competition oh, uh, for pups, which was really fun. So all these dogs rocked up in little costumes, which was uh, absolutely hilarious. And they were so, very well behaved. Yeah, I did wonder. I thought, mm, you can't have this many dogs <laughs> in a setting without having some kind of chaos or a fight as such. But all dogs were well behaved, all on leashes, mm-hmm. uh, as they have to be. Uh, there were a few little standoff that you could kind of see where dogs were not getting along. But for the most part, they were all very friendly. So, um, yeah, a bit of a different <laughs> festival. But I, I, too, ordered some food and stood there with my ticket staring at it <laughs> for 10 minutes going, is it me, is it me? So, yeah. But they do tend to serve... Um, yeah, quite big, mm. big things without thinking. Yeah, maybe lots of little things would be more. Yeah, that's it. each. If each place did like one or two things really, really well. Yeah, uh, and just like you go there and it's ten bucks and you have a bit of that, and then and it should be already prepared. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know, ten bucks. There's your food, and then you move on to the next thing. Oh, like you could prepay. Yeah, or, or, you, you, or you could do that. Yeah, you could do. We're coming up with some really good ideas, <laughs> but you could yeah prepay and you, you get like a little ticket where you go around and you get five things or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Something. That, that's what they at uh, Disneyland and Walt well, Disney World. They sometimes do that. It's called a sip and saver. Yeah. Um, but they did a similar thing at the beer and beef where you got a, a card with ten little punch holes on it. Nice. And for each of the punch holes, you got a one twenty mil uh, sample of the beer. Cool. So that way you could go around and you could try the beers and yep. also on entry you get like on your wristband um you get a free beer i don't know if it was a midi or a pot or whatever they call it. i go pints and half pints i'm mm-hmm. english what, <laughs> whatever that help means it. um <laughs> But they, uh, yeah, so you do that. So that way you can go and try the beers mm. uh, and then find the one you really like and then have a larger version of that. So, I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, that's good because then you don't buy big pints mm. and go, well, I'm not really keen on this, have to drink it all and keep going because that wouldn't end up very pretty at all. Yeah, um, but it was it was good. Like ne- Next time, I know you're not interested in the beef, but uh, next time we'll, we'll invite you for the beer. I'll, <laughs> I'll come for the beer. I'm all about the beer. It sounds fun. <laughs> Um, we are obviously a film show, yes. but we tend to, to do a little tangent um, at the beginning of the show. We don't have um, a whole lot to talk about tonight. Uh, the cinema releases have died down a little bit. Uh, but, Lewis, you got to see uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris plus Bros, which were two films we spoke mm. about last week. So you're going to give us uh, your kind of input, uh, thoughts about those. Uh, I've seen a film on Netflix called The Good Nurse starring uh, Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. And then we've had some trailers drop. So um, we will come back with um, a bit of a chit-chat about all of those things. Excellent. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You are indeed listening to Unscripted, the film show, where you get all your film news for the week. Uh, We, of course, do upload this as a podcast. So if you have just tuned in, you can visit the gentleman of pop culture, 
website and you can uh, download this episode when it's up, plus all our previous episodes, plus our other podcasts, including Tangent City, where we take a pop culture topic and ramble on about it. Uh, always, We always divert and go in different directions with that, but uh, we always circle back. It's good fun. Uh, and, of course, Diz Down Under, which is uh, all your latest on the Disney front. Indeed. Big big show last week on, on that. A lot of uh, discussion about stuff happening in the parks and mm. uh, and films and, uh, you know, people moving from Marvel to DC. Um, but, yeah, so uh, do, do, do listen in. Now, Kat and I, uh, we, we, we missed uh, Bros. We missed uh, Mrs. Harris went to Paris. So... Um, we made sure we went to see those on uh, on the weekend or, or on the weekend of Monday. Um, so last Friday we went up to uh, Karen up and we hadn't done the Lux Cinema there before, ah. the Hoyts Lux Cinema, and we've done Lux at uh, Carousel. So we thought, well, we'll go and do do Lux. We'll do Bros mm-hmm. and we'll do do it uh, Lux style. Um, and it's uh, yeah, quite nice up there. It's you know very obviously still a very new cinema. Um, and it's just if you've done the you know those first class you know cinema experiences before, it's pretty much the same thing where yeah. you can. Uh, although now you can get wine and stuff into normal cinemas, but when you go into Lux, they give you like proper glasses and stuff. So oh, so you feel more fancy. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's, wine tastes better out of glass. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the uh, Bros. Um, it was. I was really happy with that. Like you know, Judd Apatow does have a uh, history of making very uh, producing very long comedy films. Mm-hmm. And although this is a fairly long film, um, it was still. I thought it was you know paced quite well. Um, and it is. It's really interesting because it is a uh, you know a romantic comedy about two gay men, and it's a it's something that you know you don't really see a, a lot of um, in uh, film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for it, you will find, like, independent gay rom-coms. But this is a, a, you know, a mainstream gay rom-com that doesn't, like... Um, it doesn't pull any punches about, you know, what gay relationships are, uh, what, what gay culture is. Um, and, but it kind of breaks down that stereotype of, you know, when people go, you know, in the past we want a gay character, the gay characters are always very flamboyant and very mm-hmm. effeminate and, and that sort of thing. But that's only, you know, a subset of, you know, gay culture. I mean, a lot of the gay men I know are some of the most manly men you're ever likely to meet. Um, and so it was good to see that they, they had, you know, different kind of uh you know representations of you know gay people in in the in the film um and uh yeah i just and also like relationships as well because in uh you know gay culture uh it's not uncommon for you know relationships to be more open and people have multiple partners and and those kind of things so i mean if you see relationships on tv usually it's just like uh, a heterosexual relationship with uh, men just superimposed on it whereas this is actually showing you more about what you know gay culture and gay men you know are actually like and um which i think is, is good it opens people up you get a better understanding of it and it's uh yeah i was just really happy with it i mean did, did anything surprise you about the film when you saw it i think for me and it was a point that rachel made last week when we we spoke about the film is what I really liked about it is it's not a story about coming out. Mm. It's, you know, these characters are already, you know, in relationship or they're already their kind of true authentic selves yeah. and they're accepted by their friends and family. There's none of this, oh, my God, you know, you're gay kind of thing. The family's mm. just accepted the fr- as it should be. And I really enjoyed that. It's just a completely different story because I think most stories, you know, with um, LGBTQ storylines generally have that coming out mm. theme. So this one just, we meet the characters, they've already come out, they're living their lives and it's just about a relationship with two people who are really polar opposites, uh, which I really enjoyed because it just, it kind of takes that stigma away from, you know, this idea that all gay people are flamboyant mm. or, mm. you know, feminine and, you know, these two are completely um polar opposites which i really enjoyed it it's not that cookie cutter type romance story they haven't just swapped out you know a single um you know a straight couple for a gay couple it's very different and you know i know this film isn't necessarily doing very well at the box office but i enjoyed it and what i like there was so many laugh out loud moments Mm. and sometimes you just need that in a film to go in and just 
laugh hysterically at some of the dialogue. Oh, I yeah. thought it was so well written and it doesn't dilute any of that gay content. Mm. It, it's not trying to appease mainstream audiences. It doesn't really give a crap. Yeah. It's just doing what it wants to do. So I really enjoyed the film from start to finish and I think it's interesting because I'm seeing a lot about what critics and, and reviewers are saying and they're like, oh, you know, it's not great. But And sometimes I feel like as somebody who does talk a lot about films and reviews films, I feel like sometimes if I go in a different direction to, to you know, all the other reviewers and critics, I sometimes question my knowledge or um you know, idea. And I don't know if you do that, but I feel like we're here to share our thoughts and opinions on films. And overall, I I liked this film. I really did. I, I, I thought it was a really fun film. I'm wondering which, like, uh, as far as the critics go, um, I'm not sure which ones are panning it because so far it's got like 88% on the tomato meter. Oh, I wonder... And- is it the audience or even the audience? The audience okay. score has got ninety percent. I think it. I, I, I think, think it did poorly in America um, first week, but I think it's picked up mm. now that it's been released globally, which is great. I'm I'm really thrilled that it has. I think this film does deserve that, you know, recognition. Yeah, no, de- mm. definitely. It's uh, but it's it's interesting though because like if in a um, a rom com with a, a man and a woman, um, you would never have like people talking about like uh, there's a couple in it who are like just you know announcing that they're they're now in a thruple because yeah. they've introduced another guy into their relationship. <laughs> um, there's the you know the just the um, uh, when they they first meet like how open he is about I'm going to be yeah having sex with that couple tonight. <laughs> um, it's just like there, there's all this stuff that you, you I mean within straight relationships there's also people with relationships as well mm. but in gay culture I just think it's more common mm. uh, than it is in, in, in straight relationships um, but it's, it's just interesting to go and see that like you know another side of, of things and like you know, stuff that we're not used to seeing so um, I, I think it's great I, I want to see you know uh, lesbian rom-coms and stuff like that although that would be two girls meeting moving into a house and buying a cat but um, <laughs> it, it, uh, I'm sure there, there's more to it than that and again stereotypes and like mm. if, if I did get to see it I'd probably get a better understanding mm. of uh, what you know lesbian relationships are like so that's that's what I like I like seeing different things you don't want to see the same thing over and over again so that's it. Nice yeah. to have something different. And, and, you know, Billy Eichner, who co-wrote this and also stars as, as Bobby, the main character in, in this as well, he mentions in the film, there's two really wonderful moments. There's that really sentimental moment where they're on the beach and he kind of does that monologue and Ooh. it's 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 so different to the rest of the film. It's more sentimental and heartfelt. And the other thing he mentions is that gay relationships are not the same as straight relationships. And he just puts that out there, which which is true. There's, they're very different relationships. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm mm. just saying, you know, they are different um, relationships. But I was also just about to bring up that um, there was a wonderful Christmas film released a couple of years ago starring Kristen Stewart, which I'm just trying to remember the name of, but it is about a lesbian couple... Uh, where is it? Really funny film. The only problem with it is that it is more of a coming out story, mm. but really funny if you are looking for a lesbian type um, film. I will, I cannot for the life of me remember the name, but it was based around Christmas, a uh, really fun Christmas film. So I'll get the name of that um, shortly because I'm going through her filmography and there's quite a lot there. Uh, where are we? That's She's done some really interesting things. Uh, Happiest Season, the oh, film okay. was called. I think it was on, like, Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It was released back in 2020. It's yeah. uh, directed by um, Clea Duvall, who uh, co-wrote the screenplay with Mary Holland. But it stars, you've got Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Alison Brie, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek mm-hmm. is in this film, as well as um, her gay best friend. And he adds this wonderful comical aspect to it. And Mary Steenbergen is in the film as well but um and she has one of the best lines in this film she says she's talking about taking some kind of um sleeping pill that they do in america um i can't remember the name of it valium? Um, no. no not valium it's a bit more um i think universal oh, okay. in america and she talks about taking that and that she did it one night and accidentally bought a racehorse online, <laughs> which I thought... And the way she presents that line is just absolutely hilarious. But that's a really wonderful film uh, about, yeah, a lesbian couple. Um, the only thing is, yeah, it, it is a coming-out mm. story 
um, too, which I think we've just seen through and through. So, mm. yeah, Bros at least presents us with a different type of story, which is really fun. It's very cool. Um, but I also saw uh, Mrs. Aris Goes to Paris. Uh, <laughs> and this, it's interesting because uh, it was a book originally, uh, then it was a movie in 92 with Angela Lansbury. And this is a kind of remake or <laughs> like another version of it. Uh, but same same story. You've got a, um, you know, a housewife whose husband died during the war. Uh, she's uh, cleaning people's houses to make make ends meet. Um, her one of her um, uh, clients is a you know rich person who has a, a Dior dress Dior. in her cupboard, <laughs> and she falls in love with this Dior dress and makes it her her goal in life to own a uh, Christian Dior dress. Um, thinking it was just as simple as like you know going over to Paris, mm. going into the shop picking one off the rack and but back in the day um dior was all haute couture and would actually make the dresses to fit so they'd design these dresses they'd whip them on these models <laughs> the models would uh, come out in front of these rich people you know those runway shows yes would, yeah yeah so it was kind of like that but less nipples um <laughs> and they're just uh, they're just like you know wear actual dresses that you could wear out um and then the the rich people would go i like that dress and they'd buy that dress um and then they'd have to come back and get fitted for it and uh, it takes like several weeks for the dress to be made um and so it was a real like eye-opening experience for for me like in in our you know the the fashion world we live in is basically i need a shirt go to myers buy a shirt Mm. um so this is a very you know different kind of a situation but it was interesting that you know fashion used to be stuff when they were doing these shows that people would actually wear because you see those runway shows now and they're ridiculous they're Mm. like you know what what are you doing there who's going to be buying that see-through trench coat um no (laughs) one is going to be wearing that ever what's going on um so it, but it's a, a great film, um, and Leslie Manville, who plays um, Ada Harris, is uh, is you know fantastic. Just you know, perfect for for the role. Um, you know, just a, a joy to watch on screen. Uh, she goes to uh, uh, Jason Isaacs is in it as well. He plays this good-hearted bookie which is just i don't think i've ever heard of a good-hearted like bookie in uh in a movie ever before um and they just they go to france and she meets up with the the people at christian dior they all fall in love with her it's just a a beautiful lovely film Mm. and just very very enjoyable um it's uh you know not heavy on the fashion so uh don't think you've got to be a fashionista to go to enjoy this film it's just a really nice story and um yeah i i, I was very impressed so um with bros uh i'm gonna give bros um five um oh it's, it's i should have i should have really put some thought no five <laughs> what can i give it um uh, five museums because uh, it's it's set around uh, a museum in New York um, and with uh, Mrs. Aris goes to Paris, uh, I am going to give it um, four and a half Eiffel Towers because I think that's probably as many as you see in the film. It's pretty fitting, yeah. pretty fitting yeah. to have that one there. Oh, wonderful. So two really, well, high scored films there. Well, so just, just clearly very them. enjoyable. I just enjoyed them. It's good. Just get, go, go to your, the cinema, get yourself a wine if you, if you drink wine and, uh, and just enjoy them. They, they're Sit good. Sit back and yeah. enjoy them fantastic we are going to go to a small break but we'll be back right after this you're listening to unscripted the film show that was the voice of Rachel, who I should have mentioned at the top of the show is uh, not in the studio tonight. She is on special assignment, so will hopefully join us next week in the studio uh, to talk about more films. Uh, a film I've seen recently, I thought I would check out what's new on Netflix, these wonderful streaming services that we have. I uh, like to jump on and see what's out. And I noticed a film called The Good Nurse. And I think the reason why I was drawn to this film is that it does star Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne, two really wonderful actors, or at least um, two actors that I really enjoy watching on the screen. But this is a kind of crime drama. It's based on the 2013 true crime book of the same name by uh, Charles Graeber about... Charles Cullen, who is uh, a serial killer who murdered patients in hospitals while working as a nurse. So uh, it's kind of... I don't want to spoil the film too much, but if you know the case and you know the story, then you kind of know what's involved, uh, you know, 
in in the film. But uh, Jessica Chastain stars as uh, Nurse Amy. She's, uh, you know, this single mother who's just doing her best to get by and takes up a lot of the night shifts at the hospital uh, as well. And meanwhile, uh, a new nurse by the name of Charles, played by Eddie Redmayne, uh, is, is hired. And the two initially get along really well. They're both really good nurses. But after a series of mysterious patient deaths, uh, Amy does become a little bit suspicious uh, that one of her colleagues might be responsible about this and, and tends to, I suppose, investigate a little bit and works with the hospital and, and police to uncover the truth about these mysterious deaths. But it, it, it's an interesting film from the point of view that we hear these kind of stories often. Well, mm. not often, but we, we've heard these stories before about nurses and, and doctors who, um, you know, do these things uh, and why they might do them. But this one was a particularly interesting case because the person involved was uh, eventually sent, and I hope this is not going to spoil it too much, but was sentenced to uh, 18 consecutive life sentences for the murder of 29 patients. But they actually estimate that the number could be as high as 400 people. Wow. That he killed over, a, you know, this, this time. Um, he, he, you know, hopped around to different hospitals. And as soon as he kind of left these hospitals, the, the, death, the number of deaths were reduced significantly. But it just goes to show it's fascinating how things like this aren't picked up. Uh, the hospitals were never at fault. They mm. were never you know, held accountable for this. But surely if you've got that many patient deaths happening, you would want to do some investigating, particularly if they were patients that had good prognosis mm. and all of a sudden they're dying, what's going on here? But yeah, look, Somebody comes in for a broken toe and then dies. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So really interesting uh, story. I really found this quite engaging. I really enjoy watching Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne as Ooh. actors. They're both really brilliant at their craft. So I think for this, it's um, one of those films, true story that you can watch and kind of uncover the story and, and yeah, just um, makes you kind of wonder. Makes you a little bit sus of hospitals. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I'm got kidding. To, got to go there. I'm kidding. The hospitals do wonderful yeah. work, but it, it's scary to think I'm that sure these that, things happen. Uh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's <laughs> not that many serial killers. Uh, like, they're sure there, there are like a, a lot of TV shows about it, mm. but it's just an easy target, really. I mean, but if you if you were a serial killer, like you know. If, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm sure they've got things in, in, in set up now. Like, they've probably got a scorecard going, you know, uh, how many people you've treated and if, like, you know, more than 90% of them are dying, mm. there's there's probably something up with that. And there's also very, they're very strict on the, you know, accessing certain types of drugs mm. and medications. You know, codes are used. There's always, like, co-signers and things like that. So it's very strict. Um, but even to think that this person got away with this for so long, this was only in the early 2000s. Oh, wow. Um, to think that, you know, he was able to, to get away with uh, this at that time. And I wonder the motivation behind it. It's not really uncovered in the film and I don't think it's ever uncovered in real life as mm. to, you know, I think that in previous stories that we've heard about nurses and doctors doing this, they've always had that motivation, like they've wanted to... I don't know, um, they're, they're kind of, you know, trying to help the person pass on because they're in pain or whatever. Mm. But there's no real motivation here. Like, why? Um, mm. But, yeah, interesting. Well, even worse, what, and I haven't done a, done a story about it yet, but I keep on seeing in the, the news mm. about this trial of this nurse, I think in the UK, who was just killing babies. Yeah, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and I can't remember who it was, but I mentioned this film and that's the first thing that they mm. mentioned to me. Oh, had you heard about this? Was it, is it about that? And I said, no, this is a different story. But, yeah, to think about someone killing babies, this this. This show's taken a turn. <laughs> yes, <right>? yes. <laughs> but yeah, you're right about, you know, it makes you wonder why people mm. do that. What What's switched in their head to make them go, yeah, this is a good idea. Mm. Let's let's be killing people or killing babies. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, now people know that this is a possibility. There's a lot of, um, you know, oversight and things like that to make sure that this doesn't happen again because, um, yeah, it's uh, not good. It's not good to go to the hospital and get it's killed by your good. nurse. No, but, um, yeah, if you are interested in true crime, uh, The Good Nurse is streaming on Netflix now and I'm going to score it three and a half 
IV lines. Ooh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, really well acted, um, really engaging film. I find it really hard to engage with films when I'm watching them at home, mm. but I was really in, into this, which uh, I really enjoyed. Redmayne, just in the poster, he looks creepy as. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, if the, real guy, if the real guy was anything like that, I'm, I'm surprised he got away <laughs> with it for so long. <laughs> Yeah, I actually don't know what the real guy looks like, but um, good on you, Eddie Redmayne, for for taking a one for the team and playing the creepy guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think actors do like taking those those roles where they're like playing a bad person or playing against type. Like mm-hmm. I've noticed that uh, I saw a trailer the other day for a new Tom Hanks film that's coming out um, where he's playing a grumpy old man. Oh, and, like it's really uh, it's really you know he is generally played the nice guy in films, the the good guy, the hero in, in films. But, you know, in the Elvis film, he was playing Colonel Tom Parker, who was a horrible person. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was amazing seeing mm-hmm. him, you know, in that bad role, playing this person that was just like... Uh, um, you know, stringing Elvis along, mm. um, giving him you know what what he needed to keep him under his thumb and keep him in America, and it was uh, it was amazing because I didn't know like uh, I knew Elvis, I knew he was in Vegas, but I didn't know why he spent so much time in Vegas. Mm. And then you find out about Colonel Tom Parker and the fact that the guy is not you know an American, yeah. he doesn't have a passport, he can't leave the country, so he kept kept Elvis there to keep his flow of money going, so he could keep gambling, and Vegas was the best place for him to do that. So. Seeing Tom Hanks play a character like that was was weird, but then uh, a man called Otto is the, the the new film which I saw the trailer for, and he's you know an old guy. I think he's lost his wife. He's just wants to be left alone, and then like a family move in, and like they start want to interact with him, and you know try to open him up a bit. So mm-hmm. interesting to see you know Tom Hanks in a, a different kind of role to the the nice guy that we're so used to seeing. It sounds a bit like Grand Torino, but I have a feeling this might be more of a comedy potential. Whereas Gran Torino was a bit more of a drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the poster now. It's got Fall in Love with the Grumpiest Man in America. Tom Hanks is a man called Otto, and there's a picture of him standing there looking very grumpy, and there's a cat with him. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if this, yeah. But look, I, I think Tom Hanks is, um, yeah, an amazing actor. And I think you're right. I think actors like being challenged by those roles mm. that they wouldn't necessarily, you know, because they're playing someone so different to their own persona. Um, you know, Tom Hanks is clearly a lovely man in real life, and uh, Eddie Ray- Redmayne, I'm sure, is definitely not a serial killer. So I, I, I hope um, not. I hope not. But um, yeah. So I think yeah, I think it would be really challenging to play those mm. roles. You want to play something that's different to you and unique, and and I, you know, I would if I was doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, a man called Otto releasing next year, I believe. Yeah. No. Look, the, 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 potentially out this year. The, tr- the trailer looked good. We got um, we were getting some food before the film, mm. and uh, and then Cat was like, "Oh, don't worry, there'll be like twenty minutes of previews before the film." <laughs> and we got in there, and there was like we were probably about ten minutes like getting into the screening, and then they they were playing the trailers. We saw a couple of uh, trailers, and Cat was like, "See, we could have stayed longer if we'd stayed longer. We would have missed seeing that trailer." <laughs> there you go. And sometimes the trailers are important because Exa- you get to see films that you're not necessarily aware. That are coming out. This is exactly true. Because the other one is that um, Dolly Parton, like uh, the film, uh, is it Seeing Red or Red? Seriously, Red. Um, the, the the film about the lady who falls into becoming a Dolly Parton impersonator. Oh, I've only briefly heard about this. Uh, I'm not a huge. I shouldn't say this. I'm not a huge Dolly Parton fan, so I don't necessarily keep up to date with any of those things. She's but- a great person, though. Is she? She's a good person. Like she, um, I don't know enough about her to be yeah, honest. She makes sure uh, that I, I don't. I don't know if it's in her county or her town or in her state, mm. but she makes sure that all the kids in that area have have books to read. Um, and, and like, uh, yeah. So she's uh, she's a good egg. And um, yeah, she's been like. I'm not saying that being with your partner for a long time makes you a good person, but you know, in that kind of celebrity mm. Hollywood lifestyle, long long term relationships are, are unusual. And she's been with her partner forever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's just a, a good dude who likes doing what she does. And uh, it just yeah, I, I'm. I, I think the world could do with more Dolly Partons. More and, Dolly. and the fact that she went, I'm gonna have a theme park, Dollywood. There we go, done. <laughs> Done. She, I have seen interviews. She's a very <laughs> bubbly character, so I do like that about her. But you're right about trailers. I was uh, 
I went to see Barbarian uh, a couple of weeks ago and a trailer for a film called The Menu uh, popped up and I thought, this looks absolutely fascinating. Have you seen the trailer to this film? No. It's a film starring Ray Fiennes, Anna or Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt. Uh, and the film is set around a young couple, uh, Margot and Tyler, who travel to this remote island uh, to this exclusive restaurant run by this celebrity chef. Uh, played by Fines, yep. and um, he prepares this um, really interesting food. But um, something happens to there's a couple of different couples at this place mm-hmm. on this remote island, and it, it turns a bit sinister. And things uh, the the trailer's a little bit ambiguous. Mm, You're not quite mm. sure where it leads to, but you get the idea that um, they're somewhat trapped here, and, and something's going to happen. But I won't say more than that. But yeah, really fun looking film. I saw I've seen that trailer as well, and that looks mm. really intriguing. Mm, yeah, really good actors too, and you just kind of wonder what's gonna what's gonna mm. happen to these guys that are at this restaurant because it looks like they're not allowed to leave at some point. So I'm really excited to see that film. Uh, which I believe is releasing mid-November, so mid this month. Um, so I do hope we get to go and see that one um, as part of a preview. If not, I'll be going to see it at cinemas regardless. So <laughs> it just looks so good. And Ray Fiennes is always, I think any film that you put Ray Fiennes into, you, you know it's going to be pretty good. Yes, um, yeah. And obviously um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's just um, doing so well, mm. just, you know, career um, high to career high. She's obviously going to be more selective with her choices. So to pick this film and Nicholas Holt is always fantastic He's on screen always as well. Yeah. Um, he, you know, we've seen him in um, the Great. I think he's fantastic in that. So yeah. Also yeah. in the X Men films is the Beast. Ah, um, yes. He was in that. Uh, it was a Warm Bodies, the the zombie film. He where was in that film. Yeah. Yeah, and then he was in something else recently, um, the J.R. Tolkien mm. um, biopic, which was not biopic um, film, which was really good. But the film, um, the menu also stars John uh, Leg. I can never say his name. Leg- John Leguizamo. Thank you. Who, uh, you know what, is brilliant. Uh, he's also in a new film um, that's coming out around Christmas time. A, and I've got to get the name for this film. Uh, I think it's called Violent Night. Um, have you seen the trailer to this one? Is that that's the one where uh, Santa Claus, uh, played by David Harbour, Harbour yeah. yeah, is in this, and yeah, you've got John in this film as well, who I think um, John Leg. Thank you. He's, I think he's a bad guy who right. um, tor- like kind of tortures or torments a family on Christmas Eve and David Harbour plays Santa Claus and uh, comes to the rescue and things turn a little bit violent. So that is the kind of Christmas film I'd like to watch. Uh, I've got a group of friends who like to gather at Christmas and watch these really crappy Hallmark romance <laughs> films and I'm kind of more for these types of Christmas films. So I'm looking forward to I believe it's an R-rated film uh, and I think it's just going to be... And David Harbour is always fantastic to watch on screen as well. It's nice to see him uh, in a role like this. Um, I think he's so well known from... Uh, Game of Thrones is... is David Harbour? Yeah. No, no, uh, um, he, he was from Stranger Things. Thank you. I don't know why I think Game of Thrones. Yeah. Do you know why I think Game of Thrones? Because David Harbour is married to Lily Allen and Lily Allen's brother <laughs> is on Game of Thrones. That's so right, yes. there you go. That's that little game that we can play. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, he, he's always really good to watch on screen. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see this film. There was always a, a, um, a box, a video box that I saw in uh, my local uh, video store. Uh, that was back in the day, kids, where you could go into a video store rent movies out for a night um and uh, this one never actually rented it out but i was always like oh i'd like to see that and it was called silent night deadly night ah that sounds pretty good i think the uh the the, uh the box art that i saw anyway was like santa standing with his back to you with an axe with blood dripping off the axe and I was just like, yeah, I'd like to see that. But I was under 18 and I think it was 18 plus. So, so you couldn't watch it. It might have, been, it might have even said like ban in the UK because for a time the, in uh, England they would ban uh, violent horror films and they called them video nasties. Oh. Um, so a lot of films got banned in the UK. Wow. Um, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, speaking of um, video stores though, Blockbuster, the new American workplace comedy. <gasps> oh, Netflix yes. Netflix uh, today. 
Uh, this is a, it's based upon the Blockbuster brand, of course. Um, it's a series which is set in the last Blockbuster video store uh, and it kind of explores what and who it takes for this small business to succeed. So I haven't watched, I, I'm hoping, I feel like it's released today or it was released yesterday, but it stars Randall Park as Timmy, the manager of the Blockbuster video store. Uh, Ten episodes. I'm so excited, having worked in a video store, mm-hmm. one of the last Blockbusters also, not the last, but one of them. Um, I'm really excited to watch this film, see what it's all about. Um, film, TV show, see what it's all about. So <laughs> I'll report back next week because I'm going to probably go through all ten episodes. <laughs> Is that, so when's that dropping? I think it's dropped today oh, or so it, dropped? it dropped last night. I, but um, I'll be watching all ten episodes and I'm sure I'll have them done by the weekend. So. I am very excited by that because there was a thing about you'd go to your local video store, whether it be a Blockbuster mm. or a Video Easy or, or something else, um, and you would you know, wander through it with uh, your friends or your partner or whatever, trying to decide what videos to get out to watch that weekend, and uh, you could never come to a consensus, mm-hmm. and you'd end up just getting the same things over and oh, over and over yes, again. Yes, like the Karate Kid. Yes. That was for me. But you're right. Or you'd get those deals. You'd go in with your family or friends, and you'd pick you know, two new releases and mm. five weeklies, and you'd be like, I'll pick two and you pick two, and you'd always come come back with the most um, eclectic kind of array of different films from from all your family members. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's so nostalgic because I remember as a family we would go there on a, you know, like a really rainy day or something mm. and pick out movies. And it was part of that experience is picking out movies. It's not the same picking it out on streaming and you can miss so many things oh, like know. when you're when you're doing it on streaming because like unless your algorithm goes you're going to like this mm. it's not going to pop it up into your you know suggested for kind of box yeah. um Whereas when you went to a uh, video store, it would be set out similar to a bookstore where it would have like action, mm. comedy, horror, and you'd go to the part you wanted to go to. Yeah, I feel like watching an action. <laughs> Head to the action section. Yeah. It, even the, um, you know, not Blockbuster, because I think that they, they famously didn't have a porn section. That's right. But a lot of uh, video stores <laughs> would have a, a like, curtained off section where their, <laughs> their porn movies were kept. Um and yeah, very many a times like uh, people would like slip in there and you know grab a porn movie and then maybe change the cover so <laughs> so I didn't look as suspicious. <laughs> uh, each to their own, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it is really a sad experience to think that we don't have that anymore. But um, yeah, I'm hoping this series. I think this series will be great. Um, Randall Park is you know hilarious. he's amazing. So he's I in, think yeah he's in. Uh, have you have you watched the Young Rock series yet on uh, on binge? No, I haven't. But I I need to. Because because it's good. It sounds like it's it's definitely up my alley. I think to watch. So I'll add that to the list. But yep. um, I, I've been trying to. I've been watching a lot of reruns of Parks. I'm um, not Parks and Recreation. Um, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I find that's quite easy to watch. Um, as well. But I've finished all seasons now, so I'm hoping they drop a new season soon. Ah. So, um, but that's really all I've been watching. Isn't it funny how we revisit things we've already seen just because we like to? Yeah. Well, I'm watching um, uh, the seventh and final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the moment on Disney+, Plus mm-hmm. um, because we never got around to watching it because uh, it wasn't screening on TV here. Um, you couldn't – it wasn't streaming anywhere mm-hmm. and I couldn't buy the DVDs. Oh. So uh, I just – it dropped onto Disney+. Plus. I was like, yes, excellent. So I, I watched it on the, um, Disney+. Plus and it's, it's weird. It's like their best season, but it's their last season, which is very unusual for a TV. TV show because usually the last season it's kind of like you know winding down and tapering off and people mm. losing interest but yeah this was a, a good last season very good well we have one last sponsor so i'm going to play that now we'll be back after this you're listening to unscripted the film show do you want to mention the british film festival is still playing here in perth running through until the 16th of november britishfilmfestival.com.au is the place to go for uh, all the films that are playing but mrs uh, harris goes to paris is one of those films uh, you can see a film called what's love got to do with it uh, there's some documentaries as well and some older films there's a um, 60 years of bond so there's lots of um, Bond films playing as well. Uh, and I believe you can purchase a ticket bundle of 10 tickets to go and see uh, up to, well, 10, 10 films there. And there's group bookings as well. So get around the British Film Festival. Uh, Rachel spoke about a film called Quant last week, a documentary about Mary Quant. I did manage to watch that as well. Uh, fascinating documentary about the lady behind the mini skirt, uh, and yeah, really interesting look at history and fashion. 
uh, as well. And with history, you're always going to have fashion because fashion has just changed and progressed over the many years. Depends how far back in history you go. Uh, at one point, uh, it was like you know just staying warm and not not dying of hypothermia. <laughs> Get that uh, bear skin, yeah. just bear skins all round. But still, having to hunt those bears and then get the bear skins is, is probably pretty difficult. Particularly um, in the nude. Like. Particularly <laughs> in the nude. So, um, yeah, really interesting look at fashion uh, as well. And, and Mary Quant, I didn't know anything about her, but she was, yeah, a real fashion icon and really instrumental in the 1960s London mod and youth fashion movements. Uh, and, yeah, took credit for the miniskirt and I believe the hot pants as well. Oh. So, um, yeah, lots of kind of archival footage there as well. And you've got some really interesting interviews with people like Kate Moss, uh, Vivian Westwood. Uh, yeah, and I think even for people who aren't interested in fashion, if you're interested in history, mm. this is a really good film. Uh, I believe there's another film playing called Quintessentially British, which <laughs> is um, a, a heap of interviews with um, famous uh, British people, I think. Is is the premise to that one? I probably should get the details. I do. Up. That's I, that sounds good. I I would like to know more about that. Uh, quintessentially, mm. it's it's definitely playing as part of the um, the British mm. Film Festival. So definitely jump on and check out um, that it is a documentary. But yeah, following documentary filmmaker Frank Mannion uh, as he aims to answer that very question, forging a love letter to all things. Blighty, from historic castles and figures, classical theatre, aristocrats and, of course, iconic music. The cultural examination showcases the distinct contribution of the UK, uh, what the UK has done for the world. So there you go. It looks at the traditions, uh, humour, but you've got interviews with people like um, Sir Ian McKellen. Uh, you've got, I can see there, Judy Dench is on the cover. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if they uh, interviewed anyone that was uh, played Doctor Who, because that's quintessentially. That is very quintessentially British. British. That is when um, you think of Britain, mm. you think of Doctor Who. And the the uh, last week uh, on the ABC, actually, probably for the last time, uh, a new episode of Doctor Who dropped on uh-huh. on the ABC because uh, Doctor Who, the international rights, so the the whole of the world. Um, Outside of Britain. So in Britain, Doctor Who is still going to be on the BBC as it always has been, as it always Mm -hmm. will be. Yep. But outside of that, the BBC has sold the screening rights of Doctor Who to Disney+. Plus. Wow. So any new Doctor Who episodes will be uh, on on the Disney Plus platform, Um, which is is interesting. But it's sad because ABC, it's been on our ABC for 50 plus years. Yeah. Um, So it's going to go away. But um, last week I watched the the new uh, episode of Doctor Who, uh, which was the last episode for Jodie Whittaker's Doctor and Chris Chibnall as the showrunner. Which it's been hasn't been the greatest. It wasn't nothing to do with Jodie Whittaker. She was a great doctor. I just think that the writers on the and the showrunners of the series just just didn't get the same the didn't have the same way of doing Doctor Who as mm. previous showrunners had. So it was just not gelling. Even though they, it was over several years, I still just didn't quite get it. Um, but the uh, this episode brings in the fourteenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is, is the fourteenth Doctor is David Tennant, who was also Doctor Number 10. What? Yeah. What? So he's making a comeback? (laughs) Yeah. So he, well, he's come back and he's going to be doing three specials next year. Right. uh, As the the 14th Doctor. But then he will uh, leave the show and regenerate into the the new Doctor. Um, And the new Doctor is uh, um, uh, the guy from uh, Sex Education. Um, And I'm blanking on his name. Uh, it's uh, wait one second. Sex education. I can't even recall. I, I know there's like all the younger. Pe- is it a younger? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh, um, is it the main character? No, it is not. No. It is not the main character. It is um, the guy who plays Eric. Oh uh, wow! Nikatway Gat uh, Nikati Gatway. Yes. Um, wow. He's he'll like, make a great doctor. Yes, he he'll be really really good. Uh, but he's. Probably going to be uh, coming into the series in the in the I'm assuming the third of the specials, mm. and then um, the following year he'll have his full season as being the Doctor because wow. next year is the sixtieth year of Doctor Who. That's it. That's amazing, mm. isn't it? It really is one of those things that um, appeals to all generations as well because it's just yeah kept up. Hundred percent. And the the showrunner 
is going to be uh, Russell T Davis, who's the Davies, who was the guy who originally rebooted it with uh, Eccleston back in the early two thousands or two thousand five. Wow, I so, can't believe that was back in two thousand five yeah. as well. I enjoyed um, Eccleston did, and, and Piper. Did you see the, uh, the 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 special from last week? No. It's interesting. You should watch it because your reaction was pretty similar to David Tennant's at the end of the episode. Oh, was it? (laughs) (laughs) I I might. I I tend to drop in and out of Doctor Who, so I'll watch it for a bit and Mm. then I'll kind of drop out. And it really depends on, yeah, I think who's involved in in it. I would say uh, watch the the episode from last week. um, And uh, what was the name of that episode? Uh, Um the power of the doctor mm. um the because as i said they they didn't seem like the the showrunners didn't seem to mesh and understand doctor who but this last episode was really doctor who mm. and they did a great job and there is just they they pull back um like you know reference old doctors of the past and everything like that it felt so doctor who and it really made me feel excited for um the next mm. the specials coming next year i got to wait till november that's ridiculous how can <laughs> november I wait next longer? year yeah oh my goodness yeah. i was gonna... like november it's november yeah. now lewis <laughs> so yeah it's so next year we're going to wait a whole year to mm. see it but it's like you see it and you just go oh, i i want it now yeah, but it's going to be great, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing David Tennant as a doctor in the 60th anniversary year, and then I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Nagatwe as well. I think that's going to be great. I think he's going to be really good. He mm. he was such a, a favourite for sex education, so I think he'll be a great doctor. Um, interested to see, yeah, companion wise as mm. well, and um, showrunner wise, because yeah, there's been some interesting showrunners over the years. Some that I've enjoyed more than others. Um, I think Mark Gatiss did a few. Gatiss did. Gaddis, yeah, sorry, yeah, I keep calling, yeah. yeah, and I've always loved his work. So um, he was obviously involved with um, The League of Gentlemen plus uh, the Dracula mm. Netflix series with Stephen Moffat, the, the three-part. Because um, he was mostly Matt Smith. He was Matt Smith run. Yes, yeah. he was. But, and, um, then, and then Capaldi as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I enjoyed. I enjoy his work. Mm. Um, I, I love Dracula too, just going on a bit of a tangent, that three-part series oh, on Netflix. So oh, good. Oh, very good. I might re-watch that actually. <laughs> uh, we are coming to an end of coming to the end of the show. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and you can obviously jump onto the Gentlemen of Pop Culture website for more of uh, Unscripted, previous episodes, previous films uh, and then, of course, Jizz Down Under, Tangent City. Uh, I think that's all we're doing at the moment, isn't it? Yep, pretty much. There you go. We will We've got to go back and do some more Tangent City. Though. We do. <laughs> we need to do some more tangents. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining. Bye. Bye. <coughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.